I had to get to Let's Get To, which meant leaving the North Pole. I passed through the nine innings of a perfect game, through the sea of swirly, twirly bat flips. I was excited to get to talk about minor league baseball. Few people are as generous and giving as the people in minor league baseball. And I know about generosity and giving. I'm me. I'm Baseball Santa. Welcome to the Let's Get To Holiday Special. Surely better than the original Star Wars Holiday Special from the 70s. And ho, 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 welcome to the holiday edition of Let's Get To. That's right, folks. I made it. It was an arduous trip, but I'm always excited to get down here and talk the greatest game ever invented, or at least the greatest game ever invented unless it was a game invented in my workshop. But I want to thank Jim and Jessica, Scott and Andy and Eric for letting me steer this episode. Although Jim's probably using this opportunity to iron his sweaters or something. Really, that guy's got more Christmas sweaters well than I do. And, and it's on brand for me. But no, this has been a great baseball season. Believe it or not, I do love the game. I get down to as many as I can. Sometimes I like to go when it's, you know, baseball, you know, the Christmas in July promotional nights. And sometimes I like to sneak down and just take in a game. But it's been a fun season. And I love that as the winter meetings just wrapped up, that so many baseball owners are finally getting with the way I do business. That is the spirit of giving. Now, we've gotten a lot of questions about the difference between baseball Santa and Santa Claus. And, you know, I'm going to break it down for you real easy. There is none. We're all sort of embodiments of the same spirit, that love of Christmas. And when it comes to me, it's also the love of baseball. And so if you ask me for something that's not baseball related, it's okay because you're also asking Santa Claus. Just like if you ask Santa Claus for another World Series win, it's like asking me. And we will both do our best to make those things happen. So again, we're different, but we're not. And I know that's confusing, But seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. But again, it's been a very fun season, and I like to take in as many games as I can, especially when I'm having a hard time managing the elves. They're only slightly easier than managing high school students. But I've also become famous for the guy with lists. And, well, I have brought my baseball naughty and nice list And so I'll pretend to be David Letterman in his top 10 lists. And I recognize that half my audience doesn't know who that is. But here is this year's 2022 baseball naughty and nice list. Now, first up on the nice list is Albert Pujols. I thought it was so cool to see him go back to St. Louis, back where he created so many memories for St. Louis Cardinal fans and so many nightmares for Houston Astros fans. But to go back to the team that he's most recognized for playing with and then getting to 700 home runs, that was pretty neat. Albert's on the nice list. Now, speaking of home runs, on the naughty list, Roger Maris's son. No one cares what you think. Just because you happen to be the progeny of a guy who hit a lot of home runs one time. Stop tweeting. Stop claiming that Aaron Judge is somehow the home run king when in fact his season was the seventh best. Let's celebrate it for what it is, an amazing accomplishment, American League record, but you don't have to sully the moment by continuing to insert yourself in it. Most of us didn't know you existed before, and I think most of us wouldn't care to know that you exist later. So go away. On the nice list, baseball teams do so much to celebrate and support community. But we're going to do a shout out to the Astros Foundation, who is always there for the city of Houston and the larger Astros fan base and the state of Texas. And honestly, all over the country by supporting people in need. And one of the cool things they did this year was having all of the relatives and survivors from the awful 
day in Uvalde out to a ball game. Not only do they raise money for that community, but providing a little bit of a break using the game of baseball. So kudos to the Astros Foundation. Now, on the naughty list, Joe Kelly. Always going to be on the naughty list, no matter what. All we need to know is that at least his career seems to be over, so he won't torment us anymore with his childish antics that somehow seem to get him celebrated. It's further proof that I might become busier at Christmas because it seems like we're all turning into grown-up children. On the nice list, Patrick Larson. If you follow his History of Hat videos, if you've had any interaction with this guy, you know he is one of the sweetest, most kind individuals in baseball Twitter. Pat, nice list for you. Naughty list, Bill Plaschke. Bill, no one thinks that the sign-stealing scandal from the Astros actually helped them win anything. Even your own paper doesn't think so. So I'd like you to follow the example that I gave for Roger Maris's son, Unless you're watching that weird game show on ESPN, no one knew who you were before. And so we appreciate the opportunity to not know who you are tomorrow. Please and thank you. Nice. Emily Nyman, who is one of the most popular people, not just in baseball Twitter, but elf Twitter. But she's fun. She brings a good energy to the game. And we love seeing strong, empowered women go after the, some of the misogyny that unfortunately still remains in this sport. And I think she'd appreciate who she's paired up with on the naughty list, Rob Manfred. Now, this isn't just because last year he codified racism as saying, well, it's just a cultural thing that I can't get involved with. It seems to be every single decision this guy makes somehow accidentally or on purpose becomes bad for baseball. Banning the shift, Rob? Really? Nothing but cult for you, buddy. Now... The nice list, someone that I'm going to definitely recruit to work with me at the North Pole, Joey Votto. All you have to do is Google him to see what a delightful person he is. He has been a good boy this year. We are fans of Joey Votto. And so, Joey, if you're watching this, first of all, please tell your friends. But if you're watching this, you definitely have a job in the North Pole when your playing career is over. But... Naughty list time. The Philly. Heard Pope. Orbit was better. <laughs> Jim is And it just doesn't. Is Orbit so a better? The Philly fanatic can truly meet us halfway. Naughty list. Now the nice list. We have Emma Tiedemann, Steve Went, Rob Ford, and John Kosas. These are all voices for baseball at different levels of the minor and major leagues, but they all have one thing in common. They care about the youth, and so they were able to take their time out of their day to visit with Jim's sports broadcasting class and help a new generation of the voices of this beautiful game figure out how to get started. Permanent nice list for the four of you. But the naughty list. Anyone who complains about whether Minute Maid Park's roof is open or closed and then, when they lose a game for getting what they wanted, blame that the other thing didn't happen? You lost. That's it. Naughty list. Now, it is the Christmas season, so we have come up with, in our workshop, six really cool, unique gifts for the baseball lover in your life. Number one, a special remote that will allow you to watch any game on any network and not have blackout restrictions. Because believe it or not, even in the North Pole, I'm blocked out to see the Yankees, the Astros, and the Mariners. How does that work? I know that the Christmas spirit is everywhere, but give me a break. Baseball. The truest gift you could give is to allow people to watch the thing you actually want them to watch. Now, the second gift would be a special crystal ball, the kind of thing that the holder could see the future and see what their favorite minor league or summer league or indie team, all the merch they were going to release so that way they could make smarter financial decisions. And that way Jim wouldn't have direct deposit to the Corpus Christi Hooks and Erie Seawolves. Just saying. 
The third gift that would be super cool would be a cameo from your favorite mascot. Though the no talking thing could end up being pretty weird. The next gift is this thing that I think Paul Caputo of Baseball by Design and Let's Get To would love. An unlimited free coupon for all-you-can-eat ice cream sundae refills at any ballpark on the planet. That one's for you, Paul. And the last gift we're working on is a special mute button. It's the kind of gift that you can point at anyone and mute them if they're taking time out of their day to tell you that they think baseball's boring. We don't have time for that kind of negativity in our lives. But speaking of no negativity, let's go to Paul Caputo again from Baseball by Design and the baseball fashion reporter for Let's Get To to talk about some of the new brands that came out in November that could make really great stocking stuffers. Here's to you, Paul. All right. Well, thank you, Santa Claus. I hope you're noticing, Santa, that I'm wearing my red El Paso Chihuahuas cap and my green Daytona Tortugas shirt in the spirit of the season, going full red and green here, even if it is uh, via minor league baseball logos. Per my conversation with James before uh, you and I got to speak here, albeit via Zoom, I I wanted to let you know before I get to my Christmas wishes from you, I just wanted to go over a little bit of uh, what I have been uh, noticing for for Logovember. I wanted to talk about some of the highlights of of Logovember. Uh, You know, Logovember has been a little bit more subdued in recent years, partially because minor league baseball is sort of ramping back up after COVID-19 threw a kink into things. Uh, but also uh, because uh, with Major League Baseball's takeover of minor league baseball, it's a much more drawn out process to actually do rebrands and introduce alternate identities. So Logo Weber has not been quite the event that it has been in, in some years past. However, that notwithstanding, there have been some good ones. Uh, one of the ones that I that I really like is the Eerie Seawolves Howling Dead logo. This is a logo that uh, Dan Simon actually created more than 10 years ago, and the team actually shelved until just recently. They brought it back. It's a it's a wolf skull, the Eerie Sea Wolves wolf skull, and then they put a, a red outline around it in the shape of the wolf, and uh, it's got a, you know, it's got the glowing red eyes. It's, it's pretty creepy. Awesome logo from Dan Simon. Really good one. The Charlotte Knights did a rebrand. Um, they are now light blue to go with the rest of the professional teams in Charlotte. And so that that was, uh, you know, that was a, a pretty good rebrand. It was received fairly well. The Hudson Valley Renegades added a cider donuts alternate identity uh, to celebrate that delicacy from from that part of the country. And then the uh, the Northwoods League, the collegiate summer level Northwoods League did the Minot Hot Tots in in honor of uh hot dish in honor of a uh, a famous in if you're in the upper midwest anyway a famous casserole that is called a, a hot dish that involves uh, cheese and tater tots as all great cuisine does so those are kind of the highlights of logo vember except for one that i would say is my 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 favorite of the new brands the new full brands that came out in logo vember uh, the Grand Junction Rockies, it's my favorite for a lot of reasons. The Grand Junction Rockies had been named for for a while for their former parent club, the Colorado Rockies. And uh, even two seasons after they lost their affiliation, they were still called the Grand Junction Rockies. That team finally rebranded as the Jackalopes, the Grand Junction Jackalopes. So they're in the Independent Pioneer League. They are named for the famous horned hair. It's actually antlers, not horns, but uh, it is a, it is a rabbit. It's a mythological creature and uh, grand junction has claimed it as its own. They have this sort of purple brand still in keeping with the tradition from their, uh, from their uh, previous, uh, you know, grand junction Rockies identity. So it's a, it's a, it's a good brand. It's a fun new brand that they finally ditched their previous uh, parent clubs nickname so it's it's a win all around. Uh, and the designer is Nathan Martinez, uh, who is out here. He is a, uh, a designer who works with the same ownership group that owns the Northern Colorado Owls with a Z, who will be moving into their new stadium just like 25 minutes away from where I live here in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. So that's my take on Logo Vember. I also uh, you know wanted to get uh, my my Christmas wish to you for for the 2022 Christmas going into the 2023 baseball season. And being a Philadelphia Phillies fan, my wish is for 
two more wins in 2023. Let's get that World Series title. Congratulations to you, Jim, and your Astros uh, on the World Series. Thanks for everything that you do. I've had fun being part of the show this year. And uh, thanks to you, Santa, for those last two wins that the Phillies need to take home one more title in my lifetime. Happy holidays, everybody. And now let's take a quick tour around the rest of the baseball community to find out what some of our favorite fans and employees of baseball want from me for Christmas. My wish for Baseball Santa is more in-person baseball meetups. I've had a great time meeting so many wonderful people online, but I want to take it offline into the ballpark. So come on, Santa, let's make it happen. Samson the Sasquatch sent us a video, but because he's a mascot, he had to use signs to communicate. No talking. So here's what they said. Dear Baseball Santa, we have a lot in common. Some believe, while others doubt we exist. Our wish is to have as many believers as you. Yours truly, Samson. Well, Samson, we at Let's Get Two all believe. And seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. Hi, Baseball Santa. It's Eric the Peanut Guy with the Tri-City Dust Devils. And you've been so good to me in the past, so I thought I'd ask for maybe one more thing for this year. Um, you know, the Dust Devils have been around for 22 years. This will be our 23rd season coming up uh, in just a few months. And the whole time, we've had our boy Dusty the Dust Devil holding it down. He's our one mascot. He's got a lot of friends out there, but he's the only one pumping up the crowd as a mascot. And so if I could ask for one thing from you, it might be a new friend for Dusty. You know, we got we got the Vineros Copa identity. We just unveiled the Columbia River Rooster Tails. Maybe one of these guys could come hang out with Dusty. Or if neither of them could make it, Baseball Santa. Morning, Baseball Santa. I, I don't know what the rules are here, and I don't know how many things I'm allowed to wish for, but... Uh, it's 10 days, 11 days removed from the Astros winning the World Series, so I feel like I've already gotten the present that I asked for. But um, could we have a week or two with just being allowed to celebrate without the national media trying to piss up, piss off, piss on uh, Astros fans and telling us how horrible our owner is? All owners are horrible. We know that our owner's horrible. Uh, he still manages to have franchises that win baseball games, so let's stick with that. Come on, man. It's the national media. Even up in the North Pole, we know the best way to get clicks is to hate on the Astros. But don't worry about it. John Heyman and those guys have coal coming to their stockings. Um, I'd also like, uh, you know, since I'm asking, uh, how about college baseball? Bring a championship home to College Station this year uh, for NCAAs. Jim Schlossnagel in his second year, I think, deserves a present and maybe to get beyond the final four, maybe a final two, maybe a championship series berth. Uh, and then finally for um, my hometown, St. Pius Panthers, it's about time we get back to state championships again. Um, beyond that, I wish, you know, Merry Christmas and a happy new year and all the goodness for all the baseball fans and all the let's get two fans out there. Thanks. Dear baseball Santa, Andrew Nelson here. And all I'm going to ask for is please let the Minnesota Twins win the AL Central in 2023. Thanks. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, um, I want to wish Justin Verlander um, and his bank account a very Merry Christmas. Um, not that he needs it, but the current rumor is he's looking for $40 million plus per year for three years. And I hope wherever he ends up in Los Angeles or New York, um, that treats him well. I appreciate everything he's done, and I hope that his daughter gets all the ponies and candy cane people that she could possibly want. Um, and I hope Kate Upton finds new sweaters from whatever team she's going to start supporting. But uh, wish you guys, uh, the Verlander family, all the best. Um, but, you know, we'll see you in Houston a couple times a year. And JV signs with the Mets as the Mets begin to spend all the money. Steve Cohen must have been a very good boy. Thank you, Kate Upton and Justin Verlander, for everything you've meant to the city of Houston. Hey, guys. It's Bailey. My wish for Baseball Santa is for Rizzo to come back to the Cubbies and maybe some new cleats for myself. Merry Christmas. Sorry, Bailey. Santa can only do so much. Rizzo signs with the Yankees. For my Baseball Santa wish, well, 
I wish I could see everybody's face next year in the big leagues, whether it's broadcasters or media members, the fans, when that pitch clock gets uh, instituted. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare for everybody. Uh, we love it down in the minor leagues. It is certainly uh, going to move some mountains in the big leagues. I think once everybody gets used to it, they'll love it but it will certainly be a seismic shift in the game. So I just wish I could see everybody's face. Hey, it's John Kosas from the Columbia Fireflies. I want to wish everyone a happy holiday season, but also I want to say my baseball wish for Santa. And a lot of people think that classic red bicycle, that's what you want to ask Santa for. I'm going to switch it up a little bit, but keep it the same in the same way. I want to ask Santa for the Columbia Fireflies first cycle in franchise history, a single, double, triple, and home run by one player in a ball game. We haven't seen it yet. 2023 would be the best year to see it. Santa, can you come through for me? Hope so. Happy holidays, guys. Hi, Baseball Santa. Brian Arbor here from the Go Go Astros podcast. And Baseball Santa, first of all, I want to say thank you because last year I asked for the end of service time manipulation in the major leagues. And look, on opening day, we had players up like Bobby Wood Jr., Stephen Kwan, Spencer Turkelson, Jeremy Pena, great sign, and Julio Rodriguez. Shockingly, all of them didn't have to work on their defense for two weeks. They were all in the majors on opening day and doing all sorts of really great stuff throughout the season. And then throughout the season, it didn't just stop on opening day. We got to see coming up late in the season prospects like Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson, Oswald Peraza, Josh Young, and Hunter Brown for my Astros. Top prospects who made their major league debuts late in the season and expect to be on opening day rosters this year and not, you know, waiting for something happen there seems to be some good incentives in this cba uh, for teams to play their best players and for us to see the best brand of baseball so my request this year santa is that that's that keep up that we see an end of service time manipulation in 2023 and not just be some sort of fluke of 2022 i'll also make one more request here while i'm at it uh you know santa there hasn't been a repeat winner of the world series since the year 2000 and I like seeing my team win the World Series this year, and I'd like to see him again win it again next year. So, Astros in twenty twenty three, can we do it, Baseball Santa? Please. Merry Christmas from Columbia, South Carolina. Baseball Santa, bring a championship home to Columbia. Carolina League Championship would mean a huge thing to this community and to this team, and I'd love it. That's what I want. That's my wish. Do your best to make it happen. Oh. And while you're at it, make sure Aaron Judge stays in New York and the Yankees win the World Series next year. That's not too much to ask for, is it? I just want baseball to be back. Uh, I just want the Yankees to re-sign Aaron Judge. But who says I'm not a generous Santa, you guys? Wish granted, Aaron Judge and all the money stays in the Bronx. Hi, Baseball Santa. Since you've uh, already granted my first wish, which is uh, uh, 70 degrees and plus in Pennsylvania in November, uh, the next thing on my list is upgraded closer intros. Well, yes, we have uh, uh, music, we have lights, we, we got to see uh, live trumpet playing this past year, but I think it's time for some pyro. Give me some fireworks, actual fireworks on the field as closers are taking it. Uh, make it more entertaining. Why? Why not? Your baseball Santa, Anthony Turnstile here. I've been a good boy all year long, and I just have one simple request. Please, please abolish the universal DH rule. Uh, I would like to see terrible National League pitchers trying to hit and trying to bunt again. Baseball was better when we had two different leagues. Other than that, if you want to give the clap to uh, anybody on the MLB Rules Committee who helped institute the rule, that would also be great. And uh, Seguin River Monsters TCL Championship. Thanks, Santa. Dear Baseball Santa, Dutch Chattahoochee here. I only want one thing and one thing only, and that's for next year. My favorite team in the whole wide world, the Tampa Bay Rays, to bring home a World Series championship win. That's all I want, and I and I promise I won't do anything bad the whole year. Hey, for you, let's get to viewers out there. I want you to know I'm a big, big Santa fan, and my I've got a wish list, a small wish list for Santa for this coming season. First of all, I want one more, one more summer from heaven. We had one last year, we had one rain out and what a uh, impact it had on our attendance. Record crowds and we can do it back to back Santa. Come on, we're, we're counting on you. Uh, next, 
We need an injury-free summer for our pitching staff. No Tommy Johns. Last year wasn't pretty. He made us work hard. We can, we can do back-to-back. -back. We need a full complement of host families in May. As everyone knows who's in this business, host families set the tone. They set the quality of life for our players. They are our glue. We'd love to have a full complement in May. More and more slot bat alumni, Santa, in the big leagues. We had three this summer. We can do three or four or five more next year. These kids deserve to, that dream that they've been chasing. And uh, so that's on you. We've done our part. Lastly, Santa, we want to continue to grow our presence in the Monadnock region. Our fans are everything to us. Hey, Baseball Santa. My wish for this year is for the minor league baseball Twitter community to continue to grow and to thrive and that everyone has the opportunity to go out and experience the baseball game of their choosing for the 2023 season. We have such a special community and I just want to see everyone doing well and thriving and having a great Christmas with their families and getting to enjoy baseball next season. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hey, Baseball Santa. It's your favorite Florida Big Mouth, the young professor. You remember me, right? The one who won the best MC for 2022, the Dottie Award? Anyway, Santa, I think I've been a pretty good boy this year. I've had a lot of fun on the baseball diamond all around the country. And I don't want to sound greedy, but if I could make any wish for next year, it would be to go more places, to thrill more fans, and to make more people's day. I had such a good time in 2022. I don't want this trip to end. And Baseball Santa, if you can make my wish come true, I'm going to bring the joy and the love of baseball to the thousands of fans across the country, if you'll let me. Hi, everyone. Just want to say happy 200th episode of Let's Get Two. <laughs> yeah. And also, what I want for Christmas is for Hal Steinbrenner to get some money in his stocking so he can buy some good players. And hopefully buy us another World Series. Boop. 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 Yeah. You want some more money too for Hal, right? Yes. Merry Christmas, everyone, and Jim, happy 200th episode. Hi, this is Paul from Baseball Escape, and I'm here at beautiful Adams Field, home of the Quincy College Granite. This year from Baseball Santa, what I would like is to get to see a game with James Christopher and the team from Let's Get Two. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Let's Get Two. So as we said, this is a holiday episode, not just a Christmas one. And if Baseball Santa's anything, he's inclusive. So let's go to Jess Canastra to find out what we've got going on for Hanukkah this year. Well, thanks, Santa. And yeah, we are joined with Jess Canaster, who's here to talk a little bit about Hanukkah this year. First of all, Jess, happy Hanukkah. We're dropping this on the first night of Hanukkah. Thank you, which, you know... First night of Hanukkah. Sometimes it's November. Sometimes it's uh, it's late December. But now we get the right in the middle. It's, a, it, it's the Goldilocks uh, Hanukkah this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I like it because it's so much easier for me to plan episodes. Let's do it all at once. A absolutely. Well, and this year you get the rare uh, occasion of Hanukkah and Christmas. The eighth night of uh, Hanukkah is Christmas this year, so uh, you can truly say Happy Holidays to somebody and. Have it mean what you want it to mean, or you can uh, you can not know when Hanukkah is, and on Christmas Day you see somebody that's Jewish and you say Happy Hanukkah, and you will get it right. Yes, <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Uh, you're, you're right, I love it. Um, you know, it's funny because you know we want to keep this fresh, we want to keep it um, entertaining. We do have a Jewish audience. We have other members of the team that are Jewish uh, on the Let's Get Two larger team. But uh, you were like, well, I don't know what we're going to talk about. So, Jess, what are we going to talk about today? Well, so uh, and and bear with me. It's a it's a bit of a stretch, but it's year three. <laughs> we've uh, we we we've done the airplane joke. We we've exhausted the uh, the pamphlet. The, the, the Jews in sports. The pamphlet. The the light reading. Um, 
But so, you know, keeping in the theme of baseball, uh, one one thing that kind of ties Judaism as, as well as lots of other cultures and religions uh, together with with you know with family and whatnot, and then one of the big cultures of baseball uh, is the food. That that uh, you know, there's there's a there's a Jewish joke that says uh, every Jewish holiday, for the most part, is they oppressed us, we fought back, let's eat. <laughs> and so there, there's a large emphasis on on uh, food in in Judaism, and that it's a, a kind of a cultural thing that binds generations. Um, and Hanukkah certainly has that uh, with a lot of fried food. Um, baseball, I think, is kind of exhibiting a, 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 a renaissance, as it were, of concession items that go on are the days of uh, hot dogs and Polish sausages and popcorn and peanuts. And you you eat at the ballpark because you need to eat. And it's kind of turned into nowadays you eat at the ballpark because the food's really good. Yeah, yeah. It really has changed. Like no more like dehydrated hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Polish sausages that, that got packed into a metal containery thing on a guy's belly four hours ago. And it's only warm because it's 85 degrees outside. <laughs> right, right. But uh, but so that that is that is kind of the avenue that I went this year. Um, fried foods mean a lot. Uh, Hanukkah, the another another joke about Hanukkah. You know, it's 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 the festival of lights. You celebrate uh, the miracle of of one night's worth of oil lasting for eight nights. So to celebrate that, we take eight nights worth of oil, fry stuff in it, and eat it on one night. <laughs> uh, so these are all fried items found at ballparks. Uh, in the year 2022 specifically, there are a lot of items that I wish I could have included uh, from years past that are no longer a thing or at least no longer verifiable via the Internet. Unfortunately, this list will also read as uh, a wish list for me as I have had a chance to try very few of these items and uh, I like fried stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I did this kind of in the spirit. There's there's eight nights worth. I kind of did it in the spirit of a uh, um, to get some culture into the episode along with with fried food. Uh, the the Hanukkah menorah has nine arms, uh, one for each of the nights, and then the one in the middle, usually you know, as shown, uh, the one in the middle it's hold, uh, higher than the others. It's taller than the others because it's the leader. You use that candle to light the others, and right. so in the same vein. Uh, in my mind, uh, right around like the mid '90s was when uh, ballpark food started to change, at least in my, uh, uh, you know, in my experiences. And uh, this item comes from Candlestick Park back when it existed, uh, and it is the Gilroy garlic fry. And uh, as far as I know, it is the very first iteration of garlic fries. Uh, Gilroy, as a small town, is the garlic capital of the world. It's about 55, 60 miles south, uh, like 70 miles south of San Francisco. Okay. Um, but the uh, garlic fries are the uh, uh, the the leader, the the shamas, as it's called. That's what we're using to, to light everything else. Yes, and, well, and it, it 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 led the way. If it wasn't for the Gilroy garlic fries, it would not be. There would not be any of this other stuff. Uh, so on to night one, Yankee Stadium, uh, deep fried avocado bites. Oh, weird. Just, just chunks of avocado uh, in kind of a, a traditional crispy batter uh, fried up and served with a side of like spicy mayo. And uh, as we go down this menu, it's also uh, kind of built like a uh, an eight course meal. OK, so we'll start with the appetizers. That's that's night one. Night two, uh, when you go to a Jewish deli, you often find. Uh, a bowl of pickles on the table, just because, right. uh, like a palate cleanser as, as a starter. Uh, so these are two pickle items that I found. Uh, pickle poutine at <laughs> Rogers Center. Uh, oh, it gets it it uh, it gets weird here. Uh, bear bear with me. Fried pickle straws, cheese curds, bacon bits, and green onions. Okay, that's that's reasonable enough. The gravy is a peanut butter gravy. Oh, so uh, it hits on every stereotype of. I guess a pregnant craving. <laughs> Every craving at once. 
I mean, that's that's my guess. I have not encountered very many pregnant women. Ladies, uh, his name is Jess Cadaster. I'll provide his email if we need. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, if, if there's a better one out there, uh, please blame television and movies because that's all I have to go off of. Right, exactly. Uh, the second pickle option, um, it was an option for the playoffs this year. I certainly hope it would come back and it gives me a reason to come visit you uh, down there at Minute Maid Park. Fried pickle nachos. Oh, uh, fried fried pick. They were they were specifically a a playoff menu item. Uh, fried pickles topped with pastrami to kind of tie the 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 Jewish deli, New York deli back in, and coriander coleslaw. Oh, that would be good. Actually, I can see that. Yeah, that so sounds that was, better than the peanut butter gravy on the poutine. I mean, it's it's worth a try. I don't think in Canada you can call anything poutine. And have it not be good, even if it's non-traditional. I think you get kicked out of the country if you're the person that comes up with one of the national dishes, a riff on it, and it is not great. Well, you get kicked out, but they're at least polite about it. (laughs) You need to leave now, please. Please. (laughs) I'm sorry for kicking you out, eh? (laughs) Uh, Night three, um, we talked about sometimes Hanukkah runs uh, alongside Christmas. Uh, traditional, stereotypical, but also traditional Christmas Day food uh, food options for Jews or anyone who doesn't celebrate Christmas or wants to go out to eat on Christmas is Chinese food. So here are three uh, egg rolls, Coney dog egg rolls, which is similar to like a chili dog. Uh, those are found at Comerica Park in Detroit, where the uh, where the Detroit Coney came from. Uh, crab cake egg rolls, not kosher. I apologize to all the bubbies and zadies out there. <laughs> um, this is this is where things start to get uh, definitely in the world of trafe, the the non-kosher. Uh, but crab cake egg rolls at Camden Yards, of course, in Baltimore. Crab cakes, cream cheese blend, mango ponzu, and spicy mayo. The spicy and mayo is a theme, and I like it. The, it's it's definitely. I mean, it's versatile. It's very versatile. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. you can change out what the spice is. It can be sriracha, and it goes on sushi. It can be chipotle, and it can go on burritos or tacos. Uh, you know, change out what what the pepper is, and it fits a, a number of cuisines. Uh, and then the last one is um, kind of a, a cousin, as it were, of the egg roll lumpia, which is uh, basically an egg roll, but it's from the Philippines, and instead of the thick dough wrapper you have oh. almost more of what you find uh a spring roll wrapped in much much more crispy flaky and thin uh cheeseburger lumpia found at oracle park in san francisco and again these yeah. are all as of 2022 i haven't been to san francisco in a few years but if they are still there whenever i make it back for a game uh that's uh that's on the list for it's sure. on your list uh night four day four candle four whatever you want to call it uh berg katsu so katsu uh you know cut, a cut of meat in this case it's ham again not kosher um the whole sandwich is not fried but it is it, it's a, a slice of of pork cutlet uh and then what makes it pittsburgh on top of the cucumber kimchi and hoisin aioli uh are pierogies potato oh. pierogies uh on top of the katsu so you get kind of a, a crispy creamy texture uh, pierogies are the food of my people there's a good poll uh, but find find yourself out to pittsburgh and get some uh, bird katsu okay i will i'll give it a shot some Uh, of it sounds scary but we'll give it a shot (laughs) it's worth a go it's definitely worth a go Uh, pierogies in pittsburgh i don't think you can go wrong even if even if it's i mean they have a pierogi race so they just like poutine in canada you have to trust they know what they're doing Right. I think that's that's really the only option there. Uh, night five, chicken and waffle cone uh, at Minute Maid Park. It's, it's been one that's been on my list for however many years it's, it's since it was introduced. Again, not everything is fried. Obviously, the waffle cone, the honey mustard, and the mashed potatoes are not fried. But the chicken is, and that's why uh, it gets to count on this list. Uh, plus, it's, 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 a, uh, it's basically one of those uh, uh, KFC famous bowls. But it's handheld. But it's handheld. So you 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 have this in one hand. You have your scorecard in the other hand. Uh, baseball, 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 baseball. I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> some of these, as we uh, get closer to the end here, are not 
ones that I would either want to eat while sitting in a seat or want to eat while sitting in a seat and wearing anything other than the color black. Because <laughs> okay. uh, get real messy real quick. Night six, uh, Chase Field in Arizona has a uh, buffalo chicken sidewinder. And as we get towards the end here, um, traditional Hanukkah dinner is brisket, beef brisket, and latkes, which are made from potatoes, potato fried potato pancakes. Uh, so the buffalo chicken sidewinder is a giant potato that has been run through a spiralizer, but it stays intact. It's on a stick. Uh, and it's a crispy fried potato that's then to make buffalo chicken topped with hot Cheeto dust, smoked chicken, blue cheese, green onion, and ranch dip. Wow, yeah, that's how you, definitely... How you eat that while sitting in a seat, I have no idea. You know, that, definitely, um, that definitely screams of one of the little tables on the concourse before you go back down to the seat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, also, uh, night six, keeping in the potato theme, uh, go to the opposite coast. Tropicana Field is home to the foot-long tater tot. It's a very traditional uh, topping of bacon, sour cream, green onions, and jalapenos. But it is a it is a tater tot that it, that fits in a giant foot-long boat. I love that. That sounds uh, fantastic. And uh, just like latkes, although in my opinion, latkes are the main course of Hanukkah, and brisket is the appetizer. Uh, that, or you just skip it all together and just have more latkes. Uh, <laughs> night seven hits on the brisket side, and we are uh, we are in Texas. We are in both major league ballparks in Texas. Uh, Globe Life Field had a chicken fried brisket sandwich, big big hunk of brisket, uh, battered fried, topped with pickles, red onions, and barbecue sauce. Doesn't sound terrible. No, uh, I mean I like brisket with all those other things as a sandwich. I like fried with all of those things. So why not fry the brisket? <laughs> right. Uh, and because we're in Texas and keeping along with that theme, uh, back to Minute Maid Park, which if I ever get a chance to go to Minute Maid Park, I'm going to need a week and- uh, <laughs> A lot of Alka-Seltzer. A cardiologist on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, battered up brisket on a stick. This I've was, had- this was... Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, vouch for it. So ho hopefully good, it's yeah. If if uh if it's back next year and I'm not uh able to go there, uh please just li live stream it. I will. I will. The other brisket thing we get there is uh, a batting helmet with tots, burnt ends, and great and cheese. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, no, it doesn't sound terrible. No, it doesn't. Uh, and uh, what is any Hanukkah dinner without dessert? Traditional Hanukkah dinner uh, dessert is uh, sufganiyot, which is basically just a Hebrew fancy way to say jelly donuts. Okay. So uh, the closest I could find to a jelly donut is a donut used as a hot dog bun for the churro dog at Chase Field, which is another uh, item they've had for a few years. It's been one of their top sellers. They change out. They do like footlong hot dogs of different kinds and they they change out what they do on a year-to-year -year basis but the churro dog uh the churro dog has endured um and it is a churro placed inside of a long john uh buttermilk bar if if uh if you're not from from that part of the country which until i lived in midland i did not know what a long john was outside uh -huh. of uh things that i wear under pants when i'm really cold or pirates which i also didn't really know until i lived out here <laughs> right um uh, and then on top of the uh, churro inside the uh, donut bun, three scoops of vanilla ice cream, chocolate, and caramel sauce, and uh, a heaping amount of whipped cream. Oh, I'm into that too. Yeah, this is a <laughs> this is awesome. Um, I want to eat all of it. Um, I, we have about. Go ahead. Sorry. I was to say, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, devoid from all of this, and you know. Uh, spending my time in minor league baseball devoid are uh, more minor league ballparks uh, or really any minor league ballparks on, on the list. And that is simply because uh, research is harder to come by. A lot of minor league teams uh, don't have a full concessions list available on their website right. or pictures or anything like that. Uh, and I haven't had a chance to travel around enough. Well, you need to fix that. We got about five minutes left. And I want to talk a little World Baseball Classic. Um, you know, Team Israel 
made history for them by participating. And now they're they're obviously going to be back for 2023 with major leaguers um, actually on the team. Overall, what are your thoughts of just what the future looks like for both Team Israel and baseball in Israel as a thing? Well, I think uh, it's going to take 10 to 15 years to really play out. But I think uh, Team Israel, getting to play in the World Baseball Classic was great. Uh, you know, they, they, they've they gotten to play in, in all the qualifiers uh, just because of Jewish major leaguers and how Israel uh, views people who can represent it and who, who is Jewish, that it's really just a grandparent. Uh, and you don't need to have been raised Jewish to to qualify but you know the hope is then that you learn about the culture you learn about the, the country and you you want to convert and and kind of spread that uh that message around but uh i think just as the world baseball classic helped to spawn a young generation of israeli baseball players including uh last year when two orthodox uh american orthodox jews were drafted in the major league baseball draft uh one of which was drafted by the Nationals, but he ended up, he was out of high school and he ended up going uh, to college to get his, to, to get his education and you know, maybe will play in a few years after he graduates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think we will see the effects of baseball uh, or we will see the effects of Team Israel playing in the Tokyo Olympics last year in about 10 to 15 years uh, because it was something that was highly publicized, highly followed. And the fact that they had a little bit of success even at the tournament, they won a couple games uh, and it was against teams that baseball has existed there. And they were rosters made up of all native players, pretty much uh, that we'll, we'll, we'll see the development of that. It's, it's very young uh, baseball in, in, in Israel. And it has an uphill battle for sure, because uh, soccer is, is huge. Right. Uh, and basketball has actually come a long way in Israel too. There are multiple Israelis who play in the NBA and who have played in the NBA over the last ten years or so. So, but I think I think baseball is still in development. Uh, but I I would say by the World Baseball Classic, what this is uh, going to be twenty three. So World Bo- Baseball Classic, maybe twenty forty three. You might see a roster that is almost all Israelis potentially. Uh, that would be great for the game. And um, I still think they have the best hat in the World Baseball Classic. He is Jess Canaster. Jess, uh, to you and Lindsay from Jessica and I and the whole team, happy Hanukkah. Like I said, Thank we're going to drop this. We'll drop this on um, the first night on December 18th. So until then, we'll continue to keep in touch via text message. We can do that. We have that. And now let's head back out to Jim and John Koshis of the Columbia Fireflies, who's been a very good boy this year by creating what will be a great gift for the baseball lover in your life. This is something even the elves couldn't have pulled off. And thanks for the shout out, Santa. And we are here with John Kosis, host of the, well, I guess not host, but the broadcaster for the Columbia Fireflies. First of all, John, how you doing? I'm doing great, James. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, first of all, we got to thank Santa. It's our holiday episode. I'm just being correspondent, but no, thank you for jumping on. You know, you've been a really good friend of the show over the last year. And when we were kind of hanging out after the Fireflies game back in June, I guess, or was it April, May? I don't remember. But you had sort of mentioned offhand that you were working on a book. And now I have pre-ordered my copy and I thought, let's have you on and tell our viewers about it. And maybe, you know, eventually when it hits Amazon and everything, they can get their copy. So Tell me a little bit about just sort of the idea behind the book. Yeah, so the the title for the book is Play-by-Play from the Miners, Profiles of Baseball Broadcasters from Scranton to Yakima, which is kind of a mouthful, but I really trust the people at McFarland Publishing. Uh, they've done a great job with just kind of walking me through this process that I had no idea how it worked until I started going through it. Um, but the original title of the book that I had kind of coined was going to be Through the Eyes of Your Ears. And uh, during the pandemic, we all had to kill some time, right? Um, especially those who <laughs> right. baseball. I got used to working uh, 100 hours a week, and then I went to not really having much to do. Uh, and so I said, you know what? I think that the storytelling aspect 
of baseball broadcasting is truthfully what I enjoy most about my job. So why not tell a really long story, but in a different form, in written form? And let's tell about kind of what the life of a broadcaster is like. I can't tell you how many students reach out to me every year and, you know, how many people say like, hey, man, your job's super cool. Can you tell me more about it if I'm sitting at a bar stool in a random town? Uh, so I collected, I believe it's 14 different broadcaster stories and told them all chapter by chapter from like where they grew up, what type of town it was, who they were fans of and, and how that blossomed into a career in baseball broadcasting. And some of those people are, you know, just like me in single A. And some of those people I've, I've worked with in various stages, like my mentor, Adam Marco, uh, with the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders is, is one of the chapters. And, you know, some of them are major league broadcasters that were fortunate enough to donate their time and, and tell me some of those stories. So Joe Block and Rob Ford, who's right behind on that banner with you, World Series champion, um, <laughs> They, they had some fantastic stories to tell. And it's not just about baseball. So this is a, a book that really, as long as you love small town Americana, if you love travel, you're, you're going to end up liking this book because I talk so much about like the random cuisine you get. You know, some people talk about uh, a little apple pie that they bought in Fort Wayne, Indiana, at a diner called Cindy's Diner. Mm-hmm. One person talks about a bar called the Slip and Dip Lounge in middle of nowhere, Great Falls, Montana. But uh, after doing some digging, some research, it was ranked as one of the top 10 bars in America by GQ a couple of years ago. It's been featured on CBS Sunday morning. Who would have thought Montana would have had that, right? <laughs> right. Um, we've got travel stories about sitting on a bus, right? You you travel on a bus 20 times a year and you're traveling multiple states, it's going to break down. So we've got just different people talking about getting trapped at airports or stuck on the side of the road, changing a tire, bus breaks down, whatever it might be. And then naturally, like great player stories. Uh, One guy in the book had the opportunity to see both Vlad Sr. and Vlad Jr. play for minor league teams before they got big. And he talked about just the difference in hype, right? Like in the 1990s or late 1980s, uh, Vlad Guerrero Sr. was kind of an, an unknown until he became a major leaguer. But Vlad Guerrero Jr. was the first next superstar that they were able to kind of use vis- uh, visual aid for with the video from MILB TV and just kind of super hype up before he got up to Toronto. So just kind of cool to see those different uh, things that, that are an enigma in baseball. And then last but certainly not least, what what you guys kind of do really well with that um, – at your podcast, it's talking about promotions, right? So Tanya Harding mini bat night is one of those. Uh, the Charleston River Dogs had that back in the late 90s. Um, and then some things were like teams partnered with uh, St. Jude. It was the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. They had a two for Tuesday where they only allowed two fans in. And oh, I remember that. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with childhood cancer. The other was his father. And they got to control everything for that entire game. Like he picked all the walk-up songs. He got his own. It was authentic Jumbo Shrimp jersey night. So he got his own authentic, not replica, authentic Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp jersey. And he got to have everything uh, go for him. And then what was really cool about it was not just that they only had two people for the lowest attendance ever in their franchise history, but they held a watch party outside and all these people knew what was going on. They decided to attend and basically drink beer, eat hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff right outside the gate. So Scott Kornberg sharing that story was was fantastic, I think, and just showing you the range of how funny to how serious and genuine a promotion can be. Yeah, the the Jacksonville thing was um, one of the best stories. I think it was at 18 maybe or 19. It was one of the best stories to come out of baseball at that time. First of all, I do have to commend you because I too had a post-pandemic goal of to lose 20 pounds, and I didn't do that. So congrats on at least getting yours done. Um, you. I'm a screenwriter by trade, and we make the joke that a screenplay is never finished. It's only abandoned. Tell me about that process in the book. Like, how did you know, okay, I think it's done. Or are you the kind of, I guess you can't now at this point, you can't change it. So when did you feel like, okay, I think it's ready to be to be submitted and published? So it's funny. I uh, looked up a bunch of things because I, I had no idea. Like I kind of went in blind. I um, It was like 2 a.m. one night and I was like, wow, this idea popped in my head. I think this is going to be a great idea. And so I wrote an introduction. And I was like, this is what, the book is going to be. And then I wrote a bunch of goals to myself. Like I wanted to interview the first person by this date. And I contacted Jesse Goldberg Strassler a week before that date. And I was like, Hey, 
would you like to interview for this? And he was kind enough to do that. So I, I met that goal. And I said, I just kept setting goals and saying, like, if I don't have 30,000 words by this date, then I, I'm calling it quits. Like I, I gave myself all these opportunities to kind of let it go. But the more people I got involved and, and the more people that um, agreed to donate their time, their stories, et cetera, I said, you know what, I got to make this happen. Um, so a bunch of the articles I read said, that 70,000 to 80,000 word range is great for a first time novel um, or, or a nonfiction book rather. And so I said, okay, we're gonna go 70,000 words. That seems fair. And wherever I get to at about 70,000 words, that's that's what the book's gonna be. And I had like rough goals, like five to 10,000 words per chapter type things. And so I, I had an idea of how many interviews I wanted to do, but um, then I needed to find a publisher or an agent so I wrote the entire book. I stopped. I said, this is great. And then I started emailing people copies of it and, and things of that nature. Eventually, McFarland picks me up and they go, hey, can you add another 10,000 words to this? So I thought I was done. <laughs> I had to add two more interviews. So fortunately, I was able to contact um, Emma Tiedemann and Alex Cohen. And we we chatted and added them to the book. And honestly, both of them were fantastic chapters. And um Emma and I started at the same time in the same league. I was in West Virginia. She was in Lexington. So we got to play each other 25 times a year. Like it wasn't a matter of, I didn't reach out to her initially because I thought that she wouldn't be a good fit. It was just right. more, I didn't want all the stories to be from the South Atlantic league initially. So <laughs> right. People I didn't know or people who had broadcasted 10, 15 years ago. Cause I wanted just a wide variance of how minor league baseball has changed and adapted. Well, we are, uh, very good friends with Emma Tiedemann on the show and we are anything's better when Emma's involved. So I'm glad she got to be in it, but that does lead to my next question. Then um, I'm guessing like, were there any interviews that you did with any individual that you just thought this isn't going to make the book or did everybody you contact end up getting into the book? So I had a list of like 40 people I reached out to and um, 20 of them were like very interested. And then we actually were able to set time with like, Every single person that I set time with made the book. Okay. I mean, you sit down with a broadcaster for an hour. And one of my requirements was that they spent multiple years in baseball or they were a lead for at least a year type thing. And then um, I, I wanted people who had traveled before because of how much travel aspect I had in it. Um, so, I mean, if you spend one year or two years in baseball, you're going to have a bus ride story. You're going to have a favorite thing that you never heard of before you traveled to some random place. Uh, so everyone had fantastic stories. And the, the bigger thing that I had was more of how do I condense down these hour to hour and a half interviews into 15 to 20 pages? Right. Yeah. I can imagine that, that because you also have to worry about, you know, I, I, I use my own experience when you cut an actor down in a film and they don't know that they're getting cut down and then they see it and they're like, uh, so hopefully you didn't deal with much of that. Well, before we kind of get to the logistics of how people can get their hands on the book, what about you? What is something that you saw randomly on your trip and are in your your career in minor league baseball that you would have included in the book had you been interviewed? Uh, so I, I actually did the first chapter to introduce myself. So my stories are in the book. Okay. Um, and my favorite stories that are my stories would be uh, my second year in West Virginia. It, so 2018, I think we had um, someone break into our clubhouse, like a homeless man broke into our clubhouse and stole a bunch of stuff. And if you've ever been to Appalachian Power Park, which I think you guys did this year, yeah. there are train tracks right beyond center field. So this guy went into the clubhouse, took a bunch of stuff, and then tried to sell it at those train tracks while wearing the hitting coach's West Virginia Power jersey. And cops <laughs> eventually saw and they said, yo, like this is a big red flag. Let's arrest this guy. Let's make sure we can return as much of this as possible. And he took his mugshot picture in a West Virginia Power jersey. And I can't remember if it was Deadspin or Barstool or whatever one of those online organizations saw it. Um, and and they, they tweeted it and they wrote a story on it and it went viral. So we had all these people calling our front office. This was like a Friday night. Uh, and we said, OK, we've got two options. We can try and distance ourselves from this. Right. Or we lean into it. We were starting a homestand on that Monday. So we said, all right. Let's like Monday was family buck night. We sold tickets for $1 for general admission, $3 for box seats. And they were 
they were rough nights. Like 300 people would be a, a good Monday night in West Virginia at that time. So uh, we we decided if you bring in a celebrity's mugshot, a friend's mugshot, your own mugshot, we don't care. If you bring in a mugshot, we're going to give you a free ticket to the game. And we figured at that point, maybe we'll make some money off of food and beverage. What we didn't realize was that we were going to have 70 people bring in mugshots, oh, whether that's like OJ Simpson or like there are a bunch of people who are like, yeah, I got this one because I was doing something silly or something when I was 19 years old. But you're like, here's mine. Um, and then to dress up the concourse, we put like clotheslines with different mugshots kind of on um, on the clothesline with little um, pics and stuff like that. We played songs that were all like Jailhouse Rock or <laughs> oh, into it. And we even had a game that was like, did they get arrested or not? And it would put like Martha Stewart next to Snoop Dogg. And it was like, you had to guess that Martha Stewart was arrested, but not Snoop Dogg to uh, advance through the game. So we leaned heavy into it. And that was one of my favorite quirky minor league baseball promotional nights that I had actually been a part of. And uh, I just thought that that type of creativity to get, you know, 70 people out of 300, that's almost a quarter of your fan base on a Monday night ended up coming in addition to the normal people. So it brought yeah. people in and uh, it was just fun. That's the most minor league baseball thing I've ever heard. All right. So how can people, um, you know, we're, we're heading, entering the Christmas time. And I know like a lot of times people might just do a gift, even if it's not out yet, they can pre-order or whatever. How can people start to get their hands on it? And then where do you think people will like, how wide will the distribution go for the book? Yeah. So the pre-order is already available on McFarland's website, which is McFarlandBooks.com. And it's under sports and under baseball and then play-by-play from the minors. But if you look up play-by-play from the minors, John Kosas Jr., it's the first thing that pops up on Google. Okay. Um, it will also be available on Amazon. It's not currently available, but it will be available here pretty shortly. Uh, in addition to Amazon, we're going to have a couple of brick-and-mortar stores that's going to be available in. We're working with Barnes & Noble to, after the pre-order is over, getting it in a couple of local Barnes & Nobles. So I know Columbia is on that list. Cleveland is on that list for my connection with it, but we're working on it where if your personal minor league baseball team uh, is mentioned in the book, that it will be in that Barnes and Noble. Um, and then one really cool thing about McFarland Books is that they do deals with local libraries. So it will be in a lot of libraries. Oh, and great. I picked them because of that, um, because I think it's really important to allow kids or, or fans or whoever it might be the ability to access this book for free if necessary, because all you have to do is borrow it from your local library. That is great. Okay. Well, now I'm going to ask you the, the most high pressured question of the interview as we get out of here. What's next? Is there another book? Is there another, you know, you've always got to have one more in the drawer. So have you thought about it at all? Or are you still getting so, used to being back full time at the, with the fireflies? Yeah, I'm still I'm still trying to work on this book um, because we're we're still not completely finalized with it. Um, whenever it comes out in February through July, it's just spring 2023. Whenever it gets released, after that kind of influx of of things happening from marketing and book signings and things of that nature, uh, I'll probably make the full decision. I'll say I'm not opposed to writing another book, and I think if I were to do another one rather than focusing on broadcasters, I would keep it baseball centric, but maybe I'd make a book about like the best minor league starting pitchers in a year and tell their personal stories rather than just their statistical stories. Sure. It might be something that's really cool. Um, but that one I'd have to work a lot more in depth with major league baseball and some other things. So um, certainly would consider writing another book, but for now I want to make sure that I do this one right and, and finish strong with it. Well, John, thanks so much for jumping on. Let's get to you. And we'll put the, the, the links that we have now in the descriptions of this uh interview but until then have a great holiday yeah thanks so much for having me and i hope you have a happy and healthy new year too all right and i'm also going to put you on the stop and now on to close it out the right hander from the north pole he's got a filthy curveball and a filthy snowball chris kringle so that does wrap up the holiday special of Let's Get To for our 2022 season. I again want to thank Jim and Jess and all the members of the Let's Get To staff for letting me come in and do this episode. This truly is one of the highlights of my year. Now everyone in minor league baseball, you've all been such good boys and girls that I really do hope that I 
me, Baseball Santa, give you everything you want for Christmas for next year's baseball season. But it is time for me to get back to work to make all of your 2023 baseball dreams come true. So until next time, put your head on your pillow for a long winter's nap, dream of sugar plums, Cracker Jack, and baseball being back before you know it. Because when it comes to baseball Santas, one is great, but hey, let's get two. Ho, ho, ho. Let's Get Two is presented by Twitchy Dolphin Media. Executive produced by Jessica Bybee Jedgets. Produced by Andy Tom Chesson, Scott McIntyre, and James Christopher. Associate producers Andrew Nelson, Timothy Jedgets, and Jess Canaster. Music by Andy Bertelson, Grace Usselman, and On Holiday. All content created by Let's Get Two is the sole property of Twitchy Dolphin Media. All content created by teams covered in the episode are the sole property of the trademark holders.